Hello there, nerds, and welcome to Go to Their 30 Rock Podcast, a weekly chronological journey through 30 Rock, looking at the jokes, the references, the highs, the lows, and all of the blurgs that come with one of the best shows of the 21st century. As always, I'm your host, Curtis Stone, and joining me is... David Amick. And welcome to episode 119, season 6, episode 16, entitled Nothing Left to Lose, originally airing April 5th, 2012. David, if you would, please give us a quick summary slash synopsis of this episode. Everyone at 30 Rock has been completing their personal employee evaluations, and Jack has to read them all. And after learning that Pete has no ambition anymore, he decides he wouldn't be a good manager if he, if he can't get him to succeed. Meanwhile, after Liz discovers that Tracy has lost a sense of smell, she takes him to Dr. Spaceman, who pulls out the old Dakota ring in his nose. Miraculously with a sense of smell again, he finds that Liz smells like his father, leading him to want to please them and becoming a rare star at work. Finally, after Jenna is tricked by the writer into thinking she's going to star in a Christopher Nolan movie, <laughs> a live-action Smurfs movie, no less, she tries to get revenge by looking through their trash, but when she doesn't take revenge against Lutz, she ends up learning a useful life lesson. She's not the worst person in the world. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of those uh, episodes I just... It felt new to me, honestly. Not new, but you know what I mean. Like, I, I didn't really retain too much from this uh, in the 30 Rock memory banks that I have in my dumb brain. Um yeah, like it's not bad. It's just it's it's definitely like a filler episode. There's not really much going on here that resonates or pushes anything forward, and that's fine. Um, but One it, character has a startling revelation about herself. It was the last thing I mentioned in the synopsis um, slash yeah. summary. I mean, I guess yeah, no, that I'm is. Kidding. No, I mean everything that happens is pretty self-contained with the episode. There's not really any large-reaching effects that would affect no. The, I guess the larger season arc yeah. of the plot. No, it's, I mean, but it's like, it's fine for just a standalone episode, but it's also just kind of like, eh, it's middle of the road. Like, nothing bad, nothing great. There are a lot of funny lines in here, especially the uh, Tracy's line at the end of when he sits on Liz's lap and she's like, why are you so heavy? He's like, because most of me has died. And I think it's his delivery. Cause like, it's so confident that it's just heartbreaking because it's like, wow, he's well, so aware of himself. I he's mean, dead. if he had an old decoder ring stuck up, stuck up his nose for years, who knows what other masses are yeah. just floating around inside there. I do want to talk about that storyline too, briefly, just because like, would you believe that there's been another show that's done a storyline of something being stuck up someone's nose? Sure. Yeah. I mean, all plots are I mean, cyclical. You could say just most like plots technology. have kind of been done, but I mean... It's rare for a storyline being that something's stuck up someone's nose and affecting their whole life, but in a tropey way, The Simpsons did it because in a... It all runs together now. Early, I want to say an early 2000s or a late 90s episode, there was an episode where Homer goes um, goes to a different doctor for some reason, and they notice that he has a crayon stuck inside of his brain. And um, they explain it away because they also make the joke, wait, you've had your brain x-rayed a million times. How have we ever noticed it? And they explain it in a way in the most absurd way where the doctor who usually examines his brain, the way he holds up an x-ray, his thumb just perfectly covers the crayon every time. And then like literally like he doesn't even work at this hospital. He just shows up, explains it away. And then he's like, okay, bye. And then like walks off. And it's just like, all right, that's a weird way to tell your story. Um, but yeah, I would, a storyline about something being stuck in someone's body and 
affecting their adulthood. I don't think it's that tropey of a, uh, of a plot line. Apparently it is if, if every other sitcom is doing it these days. <laughs> Name one more. <laughs> I think a trope involves like three or more sitcoms following it. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I think like Tracy trying to be like the child getting to reunite with his dad is kind of cute, but it's also like it's so brief I'd that say it's, it's like pretty it's pretty dark actually. I mean, it is dark, but it's also like his his just like jubilant nature is so off character for him that it's just like it's kind of cute, but it's also like it's so brief that it's like it's hard to really get too much out of it. The Pete stuff is kind of I think the problem is I think this episode's a little bit too busy because like not enough stories really get that enough not that much attention to really matter when they don't even really matter to the whole plot line of Thirty Rock anyway, but. I don't know. Thoughts? There are actually, though, a lot of good meta references within this episode to other points of this episode and to other plots and storylines that have happened in the past, so we can talk through them as we get. It was actually, I think that's the strongest point of the episode where, like, these, there's a lot of, like, little nuggets like that that pop up, which, I mean, obviously, is something that they're actors often, but they, for some reason, makes it out to me more than usual hmm. in this episode. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like,. <laughs> It felt back like a throwback to season one, and that Pete got a plot line um, that was just like, eh, whatever. I don't know that one. Like, hey, at least this time it wasn't Jack trying to figure out his future; he was trying to do it for someone else. So we had a so we had a variation on the theme. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there. I guess there are a couple funny moments that we get out of that storyline, or funny one-liners. But yeah, I mean, him getting like, uh, like the the training dummy falling on top of him breaking his nose and then he just starts kissing it to submit to it it's just like it's a funny joke it's like a funny visual but it's also just like come on man (laughs) how like it just shows how pathetic he can be that it's just like wow you didn't even try uh yeah any other thoughts before we hop in let's hop in all right well so the cold open is going to set up yeah jack and jenna's storyline jenna at the at the very end but basically the self-evaluation sort of sets up both their stories i finished my cable town self-evaluation nailed it my greatest weakness is humility i'm probably the most humble person in the whole world i wrote that these self-evaluations are a charade people cannot be impartial about themselves you should read what some of your co-workers wrote what three words best describe me the complete package my greatest weakness is chocolate surprisingly the only person who was honest was jenna strengths none i am the worst person i know when i used to live with liz i would videotape her sleeping and sell it to japanese businessmen no wonder that tour group kept calling me sleep horse on oh no 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 don't read that I filled it out last night after mixing alcohol with prescription exhaustion. I need to redo it. Can't believe I have to read all of these. This is the biggest waste of time since NBC's diversity writing program. That was a good idea, but all of our actors are so white. Slap it to me, daddy-o. Ho-po-pop dookie down by the vacants. Ho-po-pop dookie down by the vacants. NBC's actors are very white. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. Well, the last line is a wire reference. Um, which is a show that I will eventually get past. I know eventually I'll get past the halfway through the first season, and yes. it's not because it's a bad show. It's just like I don't know. It's a show that I have to pay attention to, and oftentimes I want to do something else while I'm watching a show. So millennials and their attention spans just terrible. Yeah, millennials and trying to just 
do as much as they can but with their limited lifespan. Yeah. Boo. Have you ever had to fill out a self-evaluation form? Oh, yeah. I There's, hate it. I hate well, it. Well, the point is, like, you have to be fairly naive to be too critical. Of, like, right. so you can't, like, give yourself, like, highest margin saving one or everything, obviously, but it's, like, you'd have to be pretty naive to, like, not talk yourself up about pretty much everything. So it's, like, I wonder what companies get out of it. I mean, maybe, like, some people are overtly honest and they use that to like knock down your oh. raises or something. I mean, I really, I really don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not an HR person, so I'm sure yeah. that someone who has experience that would know more about it. But like, to me, it's just like such an obvious opportunity. Like you're not, I mean, if you ever talk yourself down on a self-evaluation, like, I don't know. I can't imagine that there are that many companies out there that that would be a, benefit about you being brutally yeah. honest about yourself i guess i don't know i think because i mean like for some people it's just really hard to talk about themselves in any, any i mean and i think most people when they do have to talk to themselves they'll be self-deprecating to be just to i guess maybe like set the bar low or whatever so like if you want them to be totally honest they will be honest and they'll probably be like yeah like i feel like i'm doing an okay job but then that but then that but in that way, that could be seen by HR or by someone else to say, like, okay, is this person not getting enough attention that we should, like, uh, the reason they feel like they're doing a mediocre job instead of a good or a great job is that because they're not getting enough feedback. So in a way, I could see, like, if, if you get that kind of commentary on a self-evaluation, I could see how it could be beneficial or helpful. But HR is mostly there to protect the company, right. not you. Yeah, they're not... I mean, yeah. unless it's a smaller company, it's going to be super hard to try and check in on every individual like that. But Yeah. And I mean, yeah. you don't have to be dishonest. Like, the way mm-hmm. I always frame it is, for whatever thing, like, I'll say something positive. And, like, instead of actually pointing out anything negative, like, I'll frame it as a goal for next year is to do this. So, like, you're pointing out an area that you want to improve on, but you're mm-hmm. not actually talking yourself about yourself negatively about it. And then it. just remember so that you don't say that for the next year. Well, of course, they, yeah. Well, they're I mean, going to track ours, it, and yeah, it's like, you said year. this last year. Well, I mean, who knows yeah. how much, how, how, I'm sure it differs by company. I don't know how much right. people pay attention to that sort of thing. Yeah. But, I mean, to me, that's the way I found where it's like, you can still come off as like you're not going over the top and praising yourself at the same time you're not actually pointing out stuff that's really negative about yourself right. but you're still but you're still like constructively pointing out ways you're quote-unquote looking to improve anyway yeah and as a because well i remember my very very first evaluation out of college for ever i wasn't like i didn't say anything like i wouldn't i don't know i would say i was a little slightly too honest like not mm-hmm. like I, I was like, that, super critical of myself, but like I was a little more honest. And like yeah. I remember because I, then I remember in the actual like then evaluation that I got from my boss, like there were a couple of things that were like added in there that were basically right taken straight from my self evaluation that I that I'm like oh they probably wouldn't have been in there if I hadn't said anything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I learned a lesson about that very quickly. Yeah. I just I would prefer someone evaluate me rather than me evaluate myself, and then that person utilize that. Not in a mean way, but utilize them like that, like in that example, like, oh, well, we didn't catch this on our evaluation, but you did, and now we're going to use this as uh, evidence for you. It's like, no, just evaluate me yourself. Don't don't make me do this to myself, please. Yeah, I don't think it's I a very like useful it. exercise. But yeah. I don't know. I, I would love to see, I would love to hear an argument as, as how it could be beneficial for a company, but I, I would agree that I don't, I don't think that they're really necessary. I mean, they're time killers. So, hey, 30 minutes not working, I guess, but I mean, ultimately, in my 
cynical slash whatever realistic view it's because they're looking for opportunities to <laughs> find you naming weaknesses about yourself to to drop mm. down your way i mean i guess it depends on how it's very like, cynical I mean, it, well i mean but i mean it probably depends on the company too like who your boss is and like how razor decide if like your boss has high discretion over what raise you mm-hmm. get or if it's like more mandated to like you know the company has certain things and it's like it's very rigid you know what i mean so mm-hmm. it's like if you do a score-based system and, like, if you get a certain score, like, you can't get a certain... You know what I mean? Like, I guess it just depends on the company. But anywho, I mean, I don't know. I just assume that <laughs> functions like that are to benefit the company and not Yeah, the workers, they just seem, so. like, super archaic and, like, cold more than they feel genuine. Well, it's the thing, like, my company just implemented it, like, the year before last. Like, the first few years, they didn't... I mean, there was obviously an employee evaluation, but there wasn't a self-evaluation. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's gaining vogue again as, like, a new... It's like open office plans, the new hot thing to do. And then a couple of years, they'll see that it maybe not works as well as they thought and yeah, take it. We'll I guess we'll see. Because how much money, money and raises they say. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Jenna gets a phone call from a very famous British director. This is Jenna. What are you wearing? Jenna Love, it's English director Christopher Nolan. Mr. Nolan? I saw you across the room at the Dark Knight premiere. I was shooting blow darts at Maggie Gyllenhaal from a heating vent. Yes, how would you like to be in my next movie? I quit this show! To hell with you all! Go to hell! I just need you to do a quick camera test for me. I do not understand Christopher Nolan's methods. He's directing a live-action Smurf sequel, so I went to Times Square, did cartwheels like he asked. Oh, boy. We got the whole thing on tape. This was a prank? This isn't body paint. It's a spray they use to kill geese at airports. What happened, J-Mo? Did you pass out in a goose costume at LaGuardia? (laughs) Ugh, what does that smell, Tracy? It's the new fragrance I designed. It's called Desire, but with a Z instead of the second E. What is that supposed to smell like? All my favorite things. The Knicks, a mop from a strip club, a carefree hobo, a crepe with a new giraffe in it, and broccoli. It smells disgusting. Yeah, I wouldn't know. I lost my sense of smell years ago. But when one sense goes away, the others make up for it. I have an incredible sense of touch. I feel an old jack-o'-lantern from last Halloween. Are you serious? You can't smell? Why haven't you been to a doctor? Who has the time with work, family, and hobbies, and listing excuses? Oh, my. It smells like Grandma's house at Christmas. That's when we found her dead on the toilet. Fun fact, Frank is Christopher Nolan, also pronounced camera as camera. Yeah. So is that is that a British? I know it's not a traditional British pronunciation, but... I don't know. Like, I took it as just like because Frank knows that's how Jenna says it. But like, yeah. he was saying that to like appeal to her. But didn't we sensibility? I guess like going off the lore that we have of Jenna lost her virginity to the bye was it Bye Bye Birdie soundtrack? And I know in those a lot of those like older films they had that very uh, old English style of speaking where they all had British slight British accents. So maybe that's I mean that this that's a stretch to explain it all, but. Maybe she just, ex- she's, I don't know. I think it's just a reference because that's the way Jenna says camera. And Liz, too. Liz says camera. Do I say camera, weird? Camera. Camera. Um, but it's also funny because I guess it also shows like Jenna's out of touch with 
that there was already a Smurfs movie. The, the types of movies that Christopher Nolan the, might make. The, the, he, would, he definitely wouldn't make a Smurfs movie, much less the sequel, uh, which rarely happens that a, a big producer or a big director would come onto a sequel of a movie that's already come out. So, um, but so, hey, kudos to her for the the dye job and everything, I guess paint job, whatever you want to call it. The geese spray the geese job. Spray, yeah, I mean, she did look like Smurfette, but I don't think she's going to take that. I, I, I quickly looked at the cast and credits of uh, the Smurfs movie um, and Sofia Vergara was in it, so I assume she was voicing Smurfette. I genuinely don't well, know, and I don't want to go any further female into that. character in Smurfs, isn't it? I don't know. I well, but it was a live action, so it, it oh. might have been uh, just another character in the world. Ah. I don't know. I, that, mm. So 2012, that was well, obviously post Dark Knight because they were that was that was mm-hmm. post was that post Inception as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, Inception would have come out by then. Inception was 2010, okay. I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because so I was trying to think is like I don't know. Well, actually, we've talked about it before. Like Christopher Nolan is obviously like a popular acclaimed director, but like I don't know mm-hmm. if he's super super famous. Certainly post Dark Knight and Inception, I guess he would have been more of a name. Um, yeah, I think Inception made him a household yeah. name, whereas The Dark Knight obviously gave him, you know, nerd cred. And then Tenet sort of helps, or not Tenet, um, <laughs> not Tenet, <laughs> uh, Dun- Dunkirk sort of helped yeah. him maintain that household name. And then I think with Tenet, he sort of went back to like, not cult, but lesser, like, just yeah. because, I mean, it had a weird release schedule. We'll cut, yeah, like we'll that. see. I'm curious to see if that affects his career. Because it's like, obviously he was mm-hmm. adamant of that in theaters, but they really didn't release it in the theaters at a good time. And it's like, it kind of fizzled yeah. the box office. And I mean, maybe it's doing great on VOD, mm-hmm. but I feel like I really haven't heard any people talk about it. And like, it only got yeah. like, it got a couple of like, I don't know, special like basically like technical nomination to the Oscars, but it didn't really get any big nominations or anything. Yeah, so I think his physical. attitude about it is going to be something that affects him, that he was so uh, adamant yeah. about it. must be a theatrical release on things. And I think he, he'll come off as more of like a snob to some people, um, just because he was very much like, it has to be shot this way, it has to be shown this way. And similar to like the Zack Snyder stuff, like people will just dismiss it and it's like, who cares? And then other people are just like, eh. Release but, the Nolan cut of Tenet. That's probably it was an okay movie though. Like I didn't hate my time with it. I just compared to like everything else that he's done that I've seen, I wouldn't really rank it that high. Like I think uh, Inception. um, Oh God, what's it called? It uh, the Prestige and Dark Knight are like still my favorite three Nolan films. But I mean, yeah, it's a short list. So it was just like I don't know, like a sledgehammer of publicity Mm -hmm. because it was pushed back, generating more press than like, but it like kind of fizzled really fast i mean but, he, but he's that he's that level of, of director that when he's releasing something it's gonna have a lot of buzz oh yeah like, like i don't think he'll have problem like making his next movie or getting no. distribution for it just i'm just thinking more long term like is it gonna cause any like longer term you know what i mean like because of that like are there gonna be people in the industry who are kind of annoyed with him so like there'll be steps with like the promotion or just just how the next movie is handled like are there ways that it'll be handled where not that not like anyone would be like actively sabotaging it but you know what i mean like is it just are there ways that it's handled made less priority or mm-hmm. just something done with it where it's not necessarily as big of a hit as it could be and that causes like a long-term ripple yeah, yeah. i'm just curious anyway we'll see, we'll see. anyway but there was a Smurfs 2 movie that did come out, but it's a year from now. Was well, so around this time, Smurf Smurf or something? I, I don't like fucking I know. Something. Uh, please don't Maybe it was a cartoon this. or something. I just, for some reason, like, because when you were talking about it, you said Sophia Vergara, I was like, wait a second, I thought Katy Perry was a Smurfette and something. Let's see. 
Oh, yes. Wait. Oh, it's on Netflix. We can watch it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in 2011, I guess the 2011 animated mm-hmm. Smurfs, she was, I, I assume, Smurfette. What does it say down there? Just the character. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Smurfette yeah, okay. Katy Perry. Yeah. Does that have Sofia Vergara? Well, this wasn't a live action. This was a what? cartoon. No, that's it. No, it was a live action hybrid dummy. Oh. They well, were anyway. CG characters and then they existed in the real world. Hold on. Let me. Come on, learn your Smurfs. I don't. God, the Smurfs. Suck. I've never really watched much of this. Just, oh, yes, I'm sorry. Yes, so Sophia Vergara wasn't that. She played a character named Odile Angelou. I don't know, but they are definitely yes. Sorry, there were definitely okay. more female characters in it than just Smurfette. Not many. Yeah, I don't think. But I think Katy Perry would return for the Smurf sequel. So I don't think Jenna Maroney's going to get that role. Oh, how sad. Sorry. <laughs> Katy Perry's a bigger draw. Come on. Meanwhile, in Jack's office, uh, he approaches Pete about his self-evaluation. Pete, I spent the morning going over these Cable Town self-evaluations. Your evaluation gave me pause. Are you sure? Those look like hands to me. Here's the problem. In answer to the question, where do you see yourself in five years, you wrote, right where I am. That's an unacceptable answer. I mean, what if the Wright brothers had said... Let's just keep making bicycles or Alexander window blinds that said, no, I don't want to partially see outside. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying, but I'm Pete Hornberger. The last time I tried to put myself out there, the girl turned out to be a cop. Do you understand how this attitude reflects on me? I am also required to complete one of these inane self-evaluations. It's a farce. Wait, like Frasier? But that's fun. But I can't say I'm succeeding as a manager if you're failing as an employee. You have no ambition, Pete. No, no, no. You don't understand. For me, that five years thing is very ambitious. Look at my life, Jack. My father was a congressman. I was valedictorian at St. Andrews, an Olympic archer, fourth guitarist in Loverboy. As a teenager, it's almost unbelievable. If it weren't all true, I'd say it doesn't even make sense. Now look at me. The last two decades have been a free fall. If I could stay in the same place for the next five years, that would be a huge accomplishment. Do you know who you remind me of? George W. Bush during his let's do coke and by the Texas Rangers phase. But he made a decision to be the best president ever, and then he was. You've lost your mojo, Pete, and I'm going to get it back for you. It's almost unbelievable if it wasn't all true. Yeah. Also, there's, I think... Most, if not all, those things are, that were previously referenced on the show. The archery, yep. the lover boy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the valedictorian thing was referenced. I don't think it was openly mentioned, but he did mention that uh, his dad was a congressman mm-hmm. and that he had like one DUI in college and that sort of cost him a lot of his... Hmm. Yeah, I think the valedictorian one is, is a new one. But in any case, callbacks. Yeah. But not to stay on the subject again for too much longer, but the the one thing on those self-evaluation questions are those, mm-hmm. where do you see yourself in five years? Because those are just like, they're, uh, to me, they're, they're like traps. They're like, uh, I mean, obviously you say, you know, in a new position or uh, up the ladder of success, whatever you want to call it, whatever your company tries to, to sway it as, but it's just like, as an as a as, as a person who tries to be too honest to a detriment, I I really don't know what to say. Like I'm just vampire. Like, I'm just like I mean, honestly, as long as I've got a job, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know for that. I would never put that, but like that's what's going through my brain when I'm reading that. It's just like I don't really care because like honestly, 
it's just who who knows because i mean it's it's one of those things like it's a, it's a horrible hypothetical because who knows what five years could hold much less three or two so it's just like it's a it's such a loaded question that i hate it anyway. ceo slash president <laughs> oh that's what does the CEO slash president put on his? Yeah, what does their self Do they do self evaluations? I'm guessing probably I'm, they not. should. I, don't know. I mean, if everyone's got to do it, they sh- they shouldn't be withheld from it. It's I yes, I don't know. Just saying, who does that or not? Any who? Anyway, uh, in Doctor Spaceman's office, uh, we we finally uh, solves Tracy's smelling problem. Well. Something is definitely obstructing your sinus cavity. Now we have two options. I can either drill a hole in the back of your head and push it out with your brain. Okay, that sounds good. Or I could just pull it out through your nostril. We'll do the second one, thank you. You know, they don't tell you this until after you've paid for medical school, but being a doctor is exactly like the game operation. There we go. My Buck Rogers Dakota ring! How long has that been in there? Those things are from the 70s. Yeah, you know what else is from the 70s? Women staying quiet. I totally remember this. When I was nine, I found it on the floor of the G-Train. I knew if my foster mom saw it, she would make me sell it at a pawn shop to get our family a Cheerio. Okay, sometimes I think the stories of your childhood poverty are exaggerated, but continue. So I hid the ring up my nose. I must have forgot about it. You may feel some burning and tingling, but you should regain normal sensation in just a few hours. I'm sorry. I was talking to my lover on my Bluetooth. Uh, one moment, Suki. Anyway, Tracy, you should start regaining sensation in less than an hour. But a newly regained sense can be a very powerful thing, even overwhelming. So if you do have an extreme reaction, please try to get it on video for my nephew's funny website. Uh, Liz, are you getting enough vitamin C? May I suggest messily eating an orange while I photograph it? Dr. Spaceman's got a lot of what fetish websites is he running? Or his, fun, or his, his funny nephew's, nephew's, nephew's quote unquote funny website. Yeah. I don't think hmm. <laughs> that sounds a little suspect to me. A little bit, a little bit. Who knows? It could have been the next Facebook, but we didn't give it enough. Uh, it's the next e bombs. That still exists, right? That's still Probably, around. but I don't, you don't hear people talk about it, so mm. I don't know. If, I mean, I feel like uh, it's been. YouTube planted between yeah between YouTube TikTok Reddit probably like I mean 4chan like all like all those sites yeah. have I think fully collectively E-bombs, new grounds made it obsolete you the man now dog like all yeah. those websites just Team Girl Squad God, I didn't watch that one oh, that was one of the old that sounds familiar E-bombs cartoon things hmm. yeah. But that line that uh, Dr. Space... Homestar Runner. It was one of the Homestar Runner. Oh, yeah. I never, never got into Homestar Runner. Like, I never... I didn't get into that. that one. Just Team Girl Squad. Yeah, it was the strong bad. Like, that whole character just... I, don't know, I feel like I was just a little bit too old for that. By, like, a couple of years mm-hmm. where I was just like, I missed well, the train. Yeah, well, okay. there you go. I was just okay perfectly a couple that. years under you to be the, the right demographic. There you go. Yeah. Um... But yeah, the, the line that Dr. Spaceman has in there about, you know what else I miss about the 70s? Women being quiet. Like, it's just like... Yikes. Holy vey, Dr. Spaceman. <laughs> that's, that's one of those lines in this episode that actually isn't doesn't make this episode memorable, but is a memorable line, along with the... Most of me has died. Like, I don't know, it's just super funny. It's the, again, it's the delivery. So while uh, Jenna uses uh, Kenneth's amazing trash abilities to get some dirt on the riders 
Uh, Jack takes Pete to the gym to better himself. This is the gym of the New York Racquet Club, Pete. Theodore Roosevelt was a member here. In fact, many of the animal heads mounted downstairs were shot by TR. Including the one that looked like a terrified Asian man? It was a different time, Pete. Today, the most powerful men in New York still come here to exercise. And nothing is a better workout for body and soul than boxing. It's the first sport man ever invented. Except, of course, uh, hide and seek. Uh, uh, boxing is primal, Pete. exactly what you need so come on don't just stand there throw a punch feel like a man a man who years ago was on top of the world who saw paula and dragged her back to his cave actually she took me that first night hit something put your frustration into your fists and hit something hornberger get up pete get up and fight for god's sakes hornberger the dummy is winning why are you kissing it? I'm submitting to its strength. It's the Alpha. That is some pretty good physical comedy there with the yeah. dummy overpowering him. Yeah, those things are surprisingly solid because they're just—I'm not sure what exact material they are, but they're just solid. Like, they're not hollow or anything. They're just solid material. I don't know. rubber. I guess. I guess they're rubber. Close some rubber or is rubber like material where it's just solid things so they're hefty but he got in a good shot just the dummy had a headbutt yeah. so. <laughs> couldn't yeah. see it coming or he did I guess but kind of could he just didn't expect it <clears throat> but kind of a horrible joke that Teddy Roosevelt shot an Asian yeah, man didn't age well and based on the light of recent events our times all that different unfortunately like I mean obviously like I don't think that, that's a pretty timely you know, way it sounds out for sport no well obviously not well but. you probably could but not here no. anyway. 30 Rock predicted the Hunger Games well 30 Rock invented no. What? Battle Royale predicted Hunger Games. Well, they didn't predict it. That was just Hunger Games. It was just a. I'm not going to say Rebuff heavily. <laughs> heavily inspired, inspired by adaptation. Tracy's enjoying his new smell intensive world, but has a revelation when he sees Liz. Good morning, fresh coffee. Good morning, clean floor. Funny, Kenneth. You don't have any smell at all. Don't worry about it. Perfume, man, roses, and strong halitosis, powders, and flowers, and spicy clam chowders. I can smell, I can smell, I can smell, I can smell, I can. Daddy? Uh, meanwhile, Jenna is uh, ready to prank the pranky prankers. She's the pranky because she got pranked. Prank the prankers. Uh, yeah, thank you. Vengeance announcement. Look what I found in the trash. An email confirmation in Frank's name for one ticket to see Taylor Swift at Nassau Coliseum. She writes the songs herself. When she can't cry anymore, she writes. What are you laughing at, Toofer? You're the man who took professional boudoir photographs and then tried to mail them to Parade Magazine columnist Marilyn Vos-Savant. I happen to think that's smart as sexy. Our foreplay would be puzzle solving. Uh oh, what's his turn? 
What is this gonna be? Oh, no. I don't have anything for you. You don't matter. But if you two dirtbags ever mess with me again, I'll take this to the next level. You don't do 22 episodes of Celebrity Outhouse with Lorena Bobbitt without learning a few things. Celebrity Outhouse sounds like a show that could have been on VH1 in that whole surreal mm. life era. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, the, we missed a, uh, a line that Jenna has when she's asking Kenneth if uh, revenge is bad. And he has a delivery of, well... In the Bible, it says it is, but it's the number one. It, but according to ABC, it's one of the best shows of the season. Oh. And that was like... I do want to talk about that. I'd never heard of this show, but like it, it had a pretty good run. Yeah, so I remember when it came on because I remember like from the ad campaign, it seemed like one of those like filler shows that... I if like basically a best that lasts a whole season like but mm-hmm. it usually gets canceled early but like it was a big surprise because like the first ep- couple episodes aired and, and all like everyone's like wait a second it's actually really good so it speaking of procedurals it wasn't a god procedural or a crime procedural it was a revenge procedural mm-hmm. so like it started out with like each week well I should say for the first several episodes it started out like she was getting revenge on a different person on like the person who wronged her father when she was a kid or something then actually like it kind of pivoted to more longer term arcs and mm-hmm. it was a sort of thing where the first season was pretty good but it lost its way really quickly mm-hmm. like it's second season it got caught up in like this whole like conspiracy around this like rich cabal of powerful people who were doing things or whatever mm-hmm. so it kind of I, I, it, it, it faded away I think it lasted three three or four seasons three or four, but yeah. that second season really just wanted Kill all the momentum because mm-hmm. they just couldn't they couldn't sustain the same basically I think the second season is what everyone was expecting that show to be like a kind of mess show that <sighs> didn't last long but because I, I remember like because well, I'm sorry go ahead when I was like it was roughly a retelling of Count of Monte Cristo yes. right mm-hmm. so the th- I think the thing with something like that is it's a finite story so if you don't do it in a couple of seasons, you have to obviously obviously stretch out the premise, and that's kind of the problem. Is then you just sort of so we've seen with a lot of other shows that they have to start spinning their wheels because they can't go too fast and get through the bulk of the story yet, but they also want to make a long lasting show to make more money. So it's it's a weird production cycle and a weird writing style. I guess you'd have to adapt to really quickly, especially if you don't. I mean. You don't necessarily seeing it. I don't know. Anyway, you were saying something far oh. more eloquent than I ever was. Oh no, I was just saying that. I, well, I remember the. I didn't watch it when the pilot first aired, but like, all, like all these critics were like saying like things like, "Oh, this and that." The show's really good. And I was like, "What?" So I watched it, and I was like, "Oh wow!" Because like the pilot was actually like extremely intriguing, and so I just remember being surprised that it that it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually did some interesting things in terms of like representation like one of the main characters like a male bisexual person which like, I, feel like I just feel like that's a that sort of like character is extremely rare yeah. for tv Especially let alone network tv early 2000s, and like i think he, he had relationships with both men and women like over the course of the show which i mean seems i mean even i mean that would still be pretty novel if that mm-hmm. happened now so that was interesting oh right yeah the only other notable thing is that the guy who created that created a show on Netflix a year or two ago I think it was called What If like it had Renee Zellweger and Jane Levy from Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist but it was notable for being like extraordinarily like terrible like I <laughs> like I literally cannot I, I it's one of the worst written shows it's like it's just so weird that Renee because this was like even before Renee Zellweger did Judy came out so like this was like really like her first role in a long time and like I thought it was weird that no one was talking about it but, like I watched a couple episodes and it was just like I mean, it was, 
can't even like I, w- I wish I could think of like a con- like concrete quotes to like give you mm-hmm. about show is bad which is like I've never heard or I can't recall I'm any sure time like, hearing dialogue that's so just so bad like the mm-hmm. plot was absurd but but this twist still like this the big twists were still like entirely predictable mm-hmm. like it was just like I, I mean and that only lasted I think half the season I don't even know if I lasted, lasted half the season I, I can't remember. remember I mean I can't anyway all the Netflix and stuff anyway but I don't even remember this at all i think it was called what if i'm not positive but it definitely had renee zellweger and jane levy so i'm sure you could find it by googling them oh yeah i'm but sure it was just i just yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh kind of monte cristo is one of those like books that just kind of like i guess like an evergreen it's definitely like one of those high school novels or, or books that they in the required reading but not in yeah. my school in my school i have no required readings oh really that's why i are dumb now um well, yeah, we had required readings that wasn't one of them. They didn't enforce any of them or anything like that. But um, <laughs> there's uh, there was a, an anime that came out several years ago called uh, Gankutsu, but essentially it's like a super far off futuristic retelling of the Count of Monte Cristo. But I think it did a, it did a job, it did its job better because it's only 24, 26 episodes, so it's not you know stretched out. But there are moments where it's just like, okay, they had to fill time, kind of thing. Um, but no, it's super well done, like a super unique art style where there's a term for it that's escaping me right now, but they would use this, uh, sort of digital technology where clothing would be this like constant moving or, or static image that was like, you just have to kind of see it. Like if you just Google, uh, like pictures of this, uh, series, it just—it's a wild series, but it, it was a well done um, production. It, it was super fantastic soundtrack. So I say check it out if you want to watch the Count of Monte Cristo in a modern light, but in a super futuristic version, and only in a modern but futuristic. Well, modern that you know it came out relatively yeah. recently, no, but gotcha. it's the setting is super far off outer space style um, fantasy. Well, that sounds delightful, but it is. I want. I mean, it's super great. <laughs> but what I want to go back to is, what did you do in English class? You didn't have oh, any required God. readings. Um, we read uh, Beowulf, I think. In well, that, that's an assigned reading, then. But I mean, we, we we didn't like you know over summer they would say oh you read this I see before the next school year I misunderstood. Like I thought you meant like Sorry. you read like not, like you like oh. I, I took it like as any like book you had to read oh, in English no, class. But I mean, like no I mean, summer. I know reading, we did. I um, we did. Um, to Kill a Mockingbird, yeah. one semester. I think we did uh, a couple of Shakespeare's. Um, we, for whatever reason, we watched The Lord of the Rings. So I'm not complaining. Yeah, it actually kind of turned me on to the, the series. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. But yeah, we just didn't have required readings in the sense that I gotcha. over the summer you have to read these before the new yeah. semester kind of thing. I used to binge read them all two to three days before the school year started, which is probably <laughs> not the best way to do it. But that's how I'd do it because I wouldn't remain yeah. I wouldn't retain that shit. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Like, you really couldn't do them too early because you got quizzes. There were quizzes, like, when we mm-hmm. got back that, like, you would have to have them fairly fresh to remember stuff. Yeah. But on the other hand, binge reading three to four books or whatever it was in two to three days is also oh, they'd all blend together. Fantastic idea. I'd just be like, so. yeah. When Romeo yeah. went to the Mount Doom to throw the ring in, Juliet was like, no, and she killed herself. But then Beowulf showed up and Grendel showed up. I don't know. It was yeah. weird. 
But it really started a trend for me that continued where it's like, if I'm not interested in something, like, I just cannot read it. Mm-hmm. So basically, like, if there was a book that I wasn't interested in, like, I just wouldn't read it and I just, like, wouldn't use the spark notes or whatever. Not because, like, I would have read if I was in shit. It's just, like, I have a hard time, like, willing myself mm-hmm. to read something oh, yeah. if I'm not new. Because, like, I mean, I'm a serial abandoner. I have no problem judging stuff after a chapter, a couple chapters, even halfway through if I'm not feeling it. Yeah. So it was like, but that, I mean, it's a pattern that definitely started then because like there are definitely several books that I just like did not care about. So I was yeah. like, I'm not, not, I can't, I, read, I can't fair. make myself read I mean, it. Like I just like yeah. literally can't make myself read something if I'm not into it. No, that's, I mean, and there are millions of other options out there. So if you're not feeling a book, drop it, find something well, else. Well, that's good so for that's casual like, reading, but in school it's like, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously if there's like yeah. a, a rule or a rubric in place, you should. It's like every year we once reread some terrible Civil War book that I just like, couldn't care about. God. Anyway, we don't need to get into that. <laughs> Who cares about that? That was like a million years ago. Well, I mean, I mean, it's important. It's important. It's important. But the books, the books that we were assigned were not were never ones that I, that I would have chose to read if I had a choice to read. It. I don't know. Like, it's just like it's when you look at what you're taught in school. A lot of it is just like revisionist history. You don't really learn too much about. Like what really happened? Yeah. It's all like sort of just placated for you, and it's like this is this is what happened. It's like yeah. well, not really, because if you dig into it, the Trail of Tears was really horrific, and we should maybe talk about and highlight that a little bit more. No, because that makes America look bad, and it's like well, you should still yeah. highlight the bad stuff. Well, I mean, it's important. I wouldn't say we didn't read things that made America look anyway. I don't know, but I, I've but, I mean, never been a historical the, fiction but, person. Yeah, I'd I ra- if it's about history, I'd rather just read something nonfiction because I, fi- I find a lot of historical fiction really cheesy anyway we, we don't need to get in that either just that that's like the one genre that i really have a tough time ever finding anything interesting in because yeah, i'd rather just read nonfiction. Yeah, anyway that's fair yeah yeah uh anyway on the enough te- about books enough about books which that's the most you're ever gonna get on this podcast about it rude <laughs> uh, uh meanwhile on the tgs stage tracy's doing his job very well you're at rehearsal before me of course i am liz dad i'm your good boy I memorized all my lines, so could I go get dressed for the photo shoot now so you don't have to wait for me? Sure, little buddy. You know, smell is the sense most closely associated with memory. I know, Dotcom. That's why whenever I smell that jacket, I remember being bored. The only person you're insulting with that attitude is yourself. Obviously, something about the way I smell reminds Tracy of his dad. Well, his father did work for a soup factory, and you are constantly eating. It's not a food thing, Grizz. I think... It's my hair pomade. Midnight Symphony? My grandfather used that. Midnight Symphony. You are the conductor of your own proud African orchestra. Midnight Symphony. You use Midnight Symphony? It works, .com. It was discontinued a few years ago, but I bought seven cases of it on eBay from a guy named Reggie. You're still here. You didn't go to the store for milk and heroin and then never come back. That was his excuse? You stayed because you love me, right, Daddy Liz? I do love you, champ, but I could love you more. You just wait. Watch this. Be careful, Liz. Very careful. Yeah, 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 .com. So I know you've never seen the movie Coming to America, but the Midnight Sanctuary joke, is that that what it is? That's what you're talking about. That is the name of the brand. I don't know any of the things you're talking about right now. I'm going to say that again. (laughs) But the Midnight Sanctuary pomade jokes, especially the commercial that they give, it's kind of funny because it's like a visual joke where at the end, for whatever reason, the person's choking a cop, which... 
all right. Uh, I'm sure there's some message there. Um, but it reminds me of the Soul Glow uh, fictional uh, Jerry Curl Spray from Coming to America, which inside of that world is just like, it was just a huge business. And, a, and the the main love interest of Coming to America was at the uh, at the start of the movie dating, the, I guess you would say the heir to that company. But the commercials were just so a very 80s and very late 70s uh, style of commercial. I don't know any of the references that you just <laughs> Well, we're going to watch the Soul Glow commercial. It's not too long. It's, but it's but it had like I remember like you remember you remember ringtones and yes. Yeah. So it was one of the like it was one of those times where I actually had it as uh, like a ringtone. Oh bless. Yeah. Uh, just cuz like it's so over the top that it's just like, "Oh, okay." Wow, they all have such voluminous hair. Thanks, Soul Glow. <laughs> I don't know. Is the, is the Jericho like the mullet of the African-American community? Uh, I have no idea, and I'm certainly not going to comment on I it. I wouldn't comment on it either. I was just like, just the look of it. Like, it's all like, it's like busy in the front, but it's like also busy in the back, which is kind of like the mullet for white people. It's not shaved on the side, so I don't know. Just an observation. It's observational humor. It's okay. It's just that's that the midnight serenity uh, pomade is. It just always makes me think of Soul Glow. So Uh, now Jenna meets with Frank and Twofer um, and gets some bad news about poor old Lutz. Well, well, well. If it isn't Tweedledee and Tweedleblack. We need to talk about what you did. Well, you know what they say, boys. If you can't stand the heat, get off of Mickey Rourke's sex grill. No, this isn't about us. It's Lutz. I didn't do anything to Lutz. That's the problem. He's a thing about being left out of stuff. The man has self-esteem issues. I don't know why. Well, he is estranged from his son, Kellen Lutz, from Twilight. I'm sorry, are you asking me to apologize to him? Look, yeah, we mess with people, but there's a line we don't cross. For example, after you went through our trash, we went through yours. And we found this. My self-evaluation. I want to be famous to make people love me because I hate myself. The Jenna I talk to at night in the mirror thinks I should kill myself. Also, I caused that Italian cruise ship to crash. We could do a lot of damage with this. But we're not going to. Whatever. Costa can know what happened. Costa Concordia. Beginning of January. January yeah, that was around this time because this this yeah. episode's April 2012. Yeah, so it was a timely reference, in fact. Well, no, I'm saying now. Oh, well, yeah, of course now. Years removed. It's just well, like yes, yeah. But at the time, yeah, yeah, that was the one that flipped over, or at least flipped to its side. Yeah. Also, do you know who Kellen Lutz is? Uh, he was one of the Twilight people. Yes. Also, you definitely saw him in the comeback. He played one of the actors That's in the right. sitcom. That's right. He was the young, one yeah. of the younger. 
people with uh, the god, the blonde actor, the young blonde actress who should have been Melana Ackerman. Yeah, I feel like she should have been bigger in that time, and she didn't really seem to have a career takeoff. Like, she was on the same as, like, Lisa Cuthbert, where, like, they were, oh, yeah. I guess, kind of... Yeah. But he was the... Same style. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was, On like Room the, and Board, which was the show within the show. That's right, yeah. Hmm. Good Anywho, because I was saying, in case you said you didn't re- remember him, didn't know who he was, and say, yeah, actually, yes, you do. Yeah, no, I, I do, yeah, but I think I knew, learned of him initially, even though I've never seen him, but I learned him initially of the Twilight yeah. series. He was a vampire or a werewolf? Uh, I don't, don't know. I don't know. I've really never seen read, but yeah. um, anywho, yeah, good for him. Also, didn't he pop up? Actually, no. I think about it. He was. He was in the one of the right. Did they? Did they make the reference with anything? No, I don't think he showed up yet. Okay, he shows up in a later episode. Okay, but yeah, I think this has been planning. Okay, I see. Gotcha. Okay. I think. I think. But this was probably at this time was presented just as a one-off joke because they have because Kellen Lutz star was probably rising, Mm, and they have a character named Lutz, and then eventually they're like, yeah, just makes sense. Bring him on. Uh, So while Tracy is really refusing to let down his Liz dad by basically well not basically by <laughs> definitely living at the TGS uh, or 30 Rock um, because due to his new superpower of being able to smell he realizes how bad the world can smell especially two teenage boys and a baby and Jenna sees the repercussions of her actions on Lutz as he's crying himself in the mirror So stupid, Lutz. Disgusting. Why don't you learn your lesson and stop trying? That girl at Starbucks smiles at everybody, Lutz. Everybody! She doesn't want you to kiss her. No wonder people don't include you in things. No wonder Kellen never wants to see you again. You're worthless. Kenneth, be honest. Am I the worst person you know? Ms. Maroney, judging is for God and his angels. So, yes, you are. Where's the writer's trash? Oh, I've already taken it down to the sub-basement compactor room. The writers had me clean out their refrigerator today, so the trash smelled like, to use a technical janitorial term, total ass. Kellen, why? Okay, I know the answer to this, but I just need to hear it. If I have to choose between work productivity and what's best for one of my employees, I choose work, right? Great. Thank you. Something about my shoes. Good meeting. Uh, which employee? Yeah. What does it matter? It's Tracy, and he has never been more productive. But he abandoned his family and his baby daughter to do it. Lemon, I invented business mumbling. You white garbage egg full of pudding. What? Look, when you're a supervisor, your job is to squeeze everything you can out of your employees. But there's a line, and you've crossed it. Since when do you care about any line other than the bottom line? Sorkin-esque repartee. Because I'm doing it, too. Well, I'm taking advantage of Pete like you're taking advantage of Tracy. I said I'd fill out my self-evaluation after I'd fixed Pete, a task I knew deep down could never be accomplished. Yeah, he's a mess. But Pete's just an excuse. The fact is I can't fill this out because there's a question I don't know how to answer. Where do you see yourself in five years? For the first time in my career, I don't know. I could wind up anywhere, running this company, making couches, serving as mayor of New York, or I could be six feet under in the subterranean paradise we built to escape the poor. I get it. As a writer, that uncertainty is the fate that always I am to face being. 
Well, I'm not used to it, but that's not Pete's problem. It's mine. You go talk to Tracy, and I have to stop Pete from shaving his head. Oh, God. Liz's line about being a writer and how hard her feature might be, remind, it just makes me think like they put that into like Google Translate, put it into another language, put it back into English, <laughs> back into another language. Because it's just like, it makes sense, but the setup of this, the sentence yeah. structure is all wrong. Like, I get what she's saying. It's just like, did you translate this from another <laughs> language? Like, everything's out of order. But yeah. But Jack's, I mean, I guess we get the, re the reason why he's... Um, dealing with so much time with Pete is not because he actually sees a future in Pete, but because he just doesn't want to yeah. face his own problems. So even CEOs deal with where they see themselves in five years. They deal with real problems like all wow. of us. Wow, CEOs, just like the rest of us. Yeah, they're just like us. Yeah, just a little bit more money. Though. Do you think there's like a CEO magazine or newsletter that also goes out that's like people? That's just like... CEO self-evaluations like weekly. Oh, God. <laughs> I hope not. We're starting to wrap up the stories. Uh, first, we're going to focus on Jenna, who learns she's not the worst person that she knows. Good for her. Good job, Jenna. So, Lutz, you thought I let you off the hook the other day? Well, you wish. I spent the whole night going through the garbage trying to find the perfect thing to humiliate you. Yeah, we know. We took photos of you and sold them to a garbage fetish website. <laughs> This was all a prank? I knew the mirror thing would get her. Oh, I'm so sad. I never talked to my son, Kellen. It's all made up, Jenna. Kellen Lutz isn't my son. He's my grandnephew, and we're very close. Unbelievable. I was actually doing something nice for Lutz, and... Oh, my God. I was doing something nice. You took advantage of my niceness. Why are you smiling? You spent the night in our garbage. We win! No, I win. On my self-evaluation, I said I'm the worst person I know. But it's not true. Thanks to you guys, I'm the fourth worst. Jenna's amazing like a star in the sky. Jenna's amazing like a star in the sky. I guess this is a little bit of character growth for Jenna, which I guess we touched on. In the intro. But. Well, <laughs> yes and no. I mean, it's still in service of her ego and feeling right. good about herself. It's more like self-realization, not so much growth. It's just like her bar, I guess, for determining who's worse than her is pretty low. I mean, I guess, well, it, I mean, hey, this this did shine a light through because normally we only see confident. I mean, we see insecure Jenna, but not in like an honest, like, oh, I'm at, like real insecurity. Like, I'm actually useless and... Mm -hmm. Blah, 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 like what she says to herself in the mirror exactly yeah, yeah. Like that is actually a super dark so it's I the guess, first time joke. to peek into yeah. that side but she's over it by the end because yeah, there are worse people than her she is not the exact I mean there are only a few worse than her but she's still not the worst Yeah, she's the fourth worst person she knows so as long as those three stay ahead of her she, she's doing okay I guess uh, but we get the culmination of Pete and Jack's storyline as well um, and Pete I kind of feel bad for him because he didn't ask for any of this. Like, it was kind of just forced on him. He just had to go with it because he's going to say no to Jack, you know? Pete, I apologize. I never should have told you how to live your life like some sort of American Barack Obama commentary. The truth of the matter is this whole thing wasn't even about you. It was about me. Really? Because it seems like it was about me, Jack. Do you know what was under my hair? A birthmark. Good God, it looks like a swastika made out of penises. I know what it looks like! 
Since you've been helping me, my life has gotten worse. I broke my nose, a gay rabbi chased me through Midtown, and last night, Paula wouldn't touch me looking like this. Do you know what it's like to try to have sex wearing a child's little orphan Annie wig? You know what? You've done enough. Get the hell out of my office. Congratulations. I knew I'd make a man out of you. Get out! There's the confidence. Please just leave. All right, so we're, we're closing up now on the Liz and Tracy storyline, and Liz has to break Tracy's heart like the Liz dad that she is. You wanted to see me smell? Sit down, champ. Oh, why are you so heavy? Because so much of me has died. Tracy. I'm so proud of you. You have grown into such a wonderful person for these last 24 hours. But when you're a father, or even a father smell, sometimes you have to make sacrifices to do what's right for your family. I just want to make you proud of me, LL Dad, Liz Dad. I know, but there's only one thing you need to do to make me proud. Pop Dookie down by the bacons? Boy, if I had a dollar for every time I've been asked to reverse one of my procedures, my bitch ex-wife would be a millionaire. May she rest in peace. All right. But wait, Dr. Spaceman. There's so much I haven't smelled yet. A magnolia tree in spring, the towels at a Miss Hawaiian Tropic contest, the sweat of a terrified Webster as you load them into a cannon. Tracy, you have to do this. Now, full disclosure, I lost your ring at a Bodine's concert, so I'm going to shove this hilarious pencil topper up there. Get a haircut, or I'm going to shove you up a black guy's nose. Very well. You leave me no choice, then. Goodbye, helpful Tracy. Goodbye. Daddy head. Goodbye. Only evidence tying me to my ex-wife's disappearance. Mm-hmm. Dr. Spaceman's got some skeletons in his closet. Yeah, and he apparently has shoved them upside people's noses, <laughs> and who knows what else. Yikes. I, but he's also very brazen because he's openly talking about evidence in front of two witnesses. Hi. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't care what they think. He's used to getting away with everything. He's, he's a, a white, white man. man. <laughs> he's going to be just fine. Huh. Well, no, it's just I'm thinking about like Liz's story and how, like, I don't know. I just, again, it's like in this episode, you have all these stories. They have these three storylines going. They don't really amount to anything. So it's just like, she did the right thing, but at the same time, I don't know, Just it's, it's all fruitless, because it's just kind of like, yeah, she did the right thing. She let Tracy go back to his life, which would have been, which will cause headaches for her, but... But it was I mean, the best thing for Tracy's family, because he literally abandoned them. He abandoned said. them, but like, it's something he would have grown accustomed to and would have went back to eventually. So it's just, I don't know. I, I mean, like, you would adjust to the sense and you would get used to it. Well, Liz also and, proved she's not the worst person in the world by her selfless actions. I guess so. Yeah. Good job, Liz. Good job, Liz. You didn't do a rape. Well, you did a racism today, but you didn't do a terrible, selfish action today, I guess. Don't think that outweighs the racism, though. No. No. Anywho, who are the Bodines? 
I feel like I hear that band referenced a lot from like people in the 40 plus on sitcoms and I don't actually know who they are. It's a rock band. I assume I assume like they're like Grateful Dead formed style. in Waukesha, Wisconsin. They came to province in the 1980s in multiple rock genres including roots rock, heartland rock, and alternative rock. That's what Google says. I don't. I didn't. I just I'm feel not like familiar I, with them I, at all. So maybe they're one of those bands. I have heard their music. I just didn't know that that's who they were. Do they have like any prominent songs listed or anything? Um. Let's see if I can look at their discography and see if they have any big hit singles. So in 1993, they had a song called "Closer to Free." which made number 16 of the Hot 100 has its own Wikipedia page. So well, that seems to be their Wikipedia most prominent. Page and see. This is Maybe their... it has a prominent... No, th- that specific song. Let's see. Okay. Party of Five theme uh, song. It was the theme song of Party of Five. There we go. Opening credits of Heavyweights. So I've seen Heavyweights. Well, so yeah, so you know the bogeys. I know that's... Well, I know that song. I, yeah. But it's... Yeah. I don't know. It's just one of those bands I've heard referenced a lot and... I mean, is because like the people, like the right, like this era, the writers yeah, exactly. grew up during that time, grew up with so. It, so they reference yeah. it, kind of thing. Yeah, but it's probably their parents listen to it a lot. Hmm. Yeah, that's the most I'll ever talk about Bodines. Uh, so our our outro uh, credit scene is just more of the self evaluations um, of Lutz and Jenna, and I believe also Frank. Um, but it's just like a, a mashup of, of all of their strengths and from Jenna, her weaknesses. Uh, but final thoughts on nothing to lose, nothing left to lose before we say adieu. Nothing left to say. Oh, no, that's, I didn't. That's that's no, that was pretty good. Just wrong time. Wrong time. No. I mean, I think it was another episode where there were good one-liners. Like overall, it was fine. But like I said, good some interesting meta references there and some good one-liners. So not a not a classic, but you know, it was it was a good enough episode, I would say. Yeah. And now I have nothing left to say. All right. Well, as always, if you like what we're doing, rating and reviewing and all that fun stuff is going to be the best way to help us out. Otherwise, we will see you in next week's episode, one episode one twenty, season six, episode seventeen, entitled "Meet the Woggles." That's a slur. Is it? I don't, is it really? Well, we can get into it next week, but yes. Oh, so you remember this episode? I do, actually, yeah, pretty uh, well. Yeah, I think I remember this one, too, just because of the bizarre nature of it, uh, wherein Jenna dates essentially someone from the Wiggles, very original name, uh, Wiggles and Woggles. I'm sure if it's offensive, I should stop saying the word, eh? Well, Woggles <laughs> is an, it's a play on, uh, like, it's not an American slur. I think it's an Australian one. But anyway, we will definitely get into that next week. Yeah. Uh, where Jenna plays Yoko to the Woggles. Jack's mom comes to New York for a medical procedure, and, and Tracy tries to convince his son, George Foreman, to not go to college. David, take us out. See you next time. Five years from now? Well, I'd like to still be working for NBC, or whatever NBC is in five years. A t-shirt company, probably? My greatest strength is that I'm a good listener. Watch. In five years, I hope I don't have to do this hat thing anymore. In five years, I'll probably be dead and no one will even notice. And yes, this is my second attempt at writing my self-evaluation. 
My Buck Rogers Dakota ring! How long has that been in there? Those things are from the 70s. Yeah, you know what else is from the 70s? Women staying quiet.